So I started to share before I went into meditation how the action of what we're doing here really is bringing ourselves into alignment and attunement with that movement of spirit. That's what each of us is doing, yes, in our own ways. And what we try to do here in ILM is to share a specific way of doing that through this action of meditation. And it's a simple action, really, just like we just did. That's pretty much it. But in that process, a lot can happen. And sometimes it seems like nothing's happening. But over time, it starts to add up, especially when we spend a lot of time in meditation every day. One of the original laws of tithing, as it was really originally taught, was not about tithing our possessions or money to God, but tithing our time. Giving 10% of the day, which is about two hours and 24 minutes. And so that's one of the things we recommend, is to give about two hours and 24 minutes a day to God. And that really is this action of meditation that we teach and share here, because this really is about developing a relationship directly between you and God. Not about the outer events, even though these are nice to come to. Not about like the retreats we're doing this week, even though those are nice to come to. What those do is provide the space and give us opportunity to discover more how to do that and to have our own experience. And that's the key here. We really want you all to know this is about you having your experience, not about just listening to what Jim and I have to say. We just hope in what we share and say might support you into learning how to move into the divine within yourself. And so a lot of that action of moving into our divinity, well, for each of us, that's where we're going to find our individualized, not only expression, but also that individualization in which our own life path unfolds that is going to assist us in really learning how to come into that greater alignment. And a lot of times, as many of you who have been coming for a while know, Often we hear after each class, you go, oh my God, you're talking just to me. That was just for me tonight. <laughs> well, guess what? That's what God does. God speaks to each of us. And that's what's going on. Regardless of the words that you hear physically, it's really the movement of the Holy Spirit that speaks to each of us. And that's how it is with any teacher, is to speak to the soul inside, spirit to spirit. And that's all done through that transmission we call the Holy Spirit. That transmission is really the essence of God. It's a movement. It's an essence. It's a current. But it's like the air we breathe here. You don't necessarily pay attention to it. You take it for granted. But even in the air here that we breathe, there's currents and gusts. There's different movements of that wind. Well, that's why we talk... You know, it's been referred to the Holy Spirit as a wind. Well, this physical world's a reflection of a lot of spiritual worlds. So that movement of the Holy Spirit is going to carry each of us in a way that is meant for our own soul's progression and experience. And in truth, we each have our own individualized journey, but really it's just a journey of one. One movement, one loving, one God, one soul. But it's up to us to really begin to remember, to reawaken. We all came from the same place into this physical creation, and eventually we're all going to return back to that spiritual creation from which we've all come. But it's a journey, as they say. And so we often talk about it as a path, but in here we call it a path of sound and light. Because that movement of God's loving 
appears as light and it comes as sound. And so as we ever watch and listen and attempt, if meditation is an attempt to move into that current, is really all we have to do. Once we get in that current, then the current carries us to bring us into the experience that God has intended for each of us. And then it really is a journey of discovery. It really is an adventure. Even when we're down here in the muck and the mire and all the stuff we just hate, all the negativity and evil of the planet, well, it's part of the journey. Think about it. Truly, God created. God created everything. Well, that includes even the hells as well as the heavens. So we can start to look at that journey more from that spiritual perspective that it's all God and who we are as that divine spark of God is in a journey of discovery and experience. Well, just that perspective might assist us, one, just to live life, maybe with a little more joy or peace, but also as we begin to change our perspective to look more from a, through the spiritual eye, to have more of that spiritual perspective, we're going to begin to see a greater unfolding of life, a greater truth, that not only will be revealed to each of us individually, but where we'll really begin to wake up and discover the real meaning of life. Not as a question, what is life about? Why am I here? Who am I really? But the true meaning as in the living of it. And this is one of the big keys on any spiritual journey. I don't care if it's here in the way we're doing it or any other place. Because this is about life, not about an organization or a religion. It's about life itself, the movement of life. And the key really is our own experience. And where do we have to look to have our own experience? But inside. It's always been taught that way. And I always like to joke around, inside of what? To go within, into what? Well, that's a lot of the discovery. Because as we begin to go within to our own consciousness, well, for First, we'll start in the physical body, because here we are in the physical body. But as we begin to close our eyes and go inside, bring our attention inwards and upwards as we teach in meditation, we're going to begin to go through all of our fantasies and the imagination, all these different feelings and emotions. We're going to begin to confront all of our thoughts and belief systems. And then we're going to go to sleep, find ourselves unconscious, and then eventually we're going to begin to see a light and experience some loving, or what we might call spirit. That's what we're seeking. That's what we're searching for. But most people just fall short because they don't give themselves enough time. They don't give enough attention or focus. And it's really about us giving ourselves the opportunity. This isn't about doing for God or doing for others. This is about doing for ourselves, the God self, the soul that we are. And when we do that, we're going to realize that we are doing for God and we are doing for others as well. But there's a way by which this works. There's a direction. And it's just learning how that works, the way to go. Most of us, not even realizing it, actually are moving towards God. 
we're just doing it backwards. So we don't see where we're going, but rather see where we've been. And that's part of what makes it so challenging in this world, is because we're looking in the mirror. Whenever we're looking in the mirror, we're not seeing where we're going, we're, we're seeing where we've been. And so we're busy, in a sense, comparing ourselves today to what or who we were in the past. And that makes it confusing. And so when we talk about the self, so many times people just look at the physical self or the ego self and lose sight of the spiritual self. What we're sharing here is not a path of self-realization, it's a path of soul-realization. That's a very different action. Because at some point, we have to be willing to set down the mirror and stop looking at the reflection and begin to look directly into the light. Oh, but I was taught not to look into the sun when I was a kid because it burned my eyes and blinded me. Well, I'm not talking about that light. Although that's a good physical reflection of a spiritual light. But that spiritual light will appear as the sun inside. But that light, the single eye, the eye of the soul, can look upon and gaze directly into it. And that actually is what we're doing in meditation in this aligning and attuning process is beginning to lift our spiritual vision. All we've done is allowed our spiritual vision to look down into the mind and then through the emotions and the imagination and out into this physical world. And so what we're doing in meditation is simply beginning to turn around, turn our focus from looking down through the mind and into this world and rather to look now back in and up back into that spiritual light. In this universe, it is an in and up looking. Once you're up there, it's not necessarily up, but the journey is up for the most part until we rise above this physical creation. <coughs> the nice thing is, once you begin to really have that one-pointed focus and begin to find where that resides within on that light, that single eye, that as soon as you engage or connect into that, that light itself, which is the light of loving, will begin to lift you, the soul, out of this creation. It'll lift you above the mind, where you'll begin to wake up and realize the reality of this physical creation. We often call it an illusion. Yes, I'm calling it a reality at the moment. The reality is you'll know the truth of who you are spiritually, looking down into the illusion. And that's part of the journey of detaching, of letting go of our attachments, letting go of all those things that we've been caught up in that downward gaze upon this creation. But it's up to us to refocus. And in meditation, we're refocusing and looking up to that original light that created us. And as we look into it, we begin to open that inner door, that spiritual door, that gives God the opportunity to truly lift us out of this physical creation. We ourselves cannot do it. The ego would like to believe it can do it. The ego would like to believe it's God and almighty and powerful because that's the trap. 
That's the trap the ego will have us believe. Because in that belief, it controls. And it controls the energy source. And what is that energy source? But who we are as a soul. Because the soul is life itself. God in expression. And it is that life that gives life to the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body. So in order to release ourselves from that, we just simply have to look back to that source from which that life comes. And automatically, in there is an aligning. It's a very centered process. It's very interesting because I know there's a lot out there nowadays called centering prayer and this way of focusing our mindfulness. And it is coming into our center. But this center is very different. That is the first step of getting centered within oneself. But then that next step of bringing our attention up here and looking up, that's the next level of centering. Because in truth, if we're going to wake up spiritually, we have to look into the very center, not only of who we are, but truly in that light that appears as just like our physical sun, which is that light of God. And literally it is dead center. I like to call it often the center of the center of the center. It's this one point right in the very center. And when we can bring ourselves into the alignment, all the rest unfolds. And through that is a doorway, a tunnel, that opening by which then an action of the Holy Spirit truly begins to lift the soul above all of this creation. That's the pathway. Jesus called it the straight and narrow. Rumi called it the river of loving. Also called it the way. They're all been referring to the same action that we're sharing here today. This way has always been the same, no matter when it's been taught, no matter where it's been taught, no matter by who it's been taught. It's the same action that God put into motion. God created the soul, and the soul went upon a journey. And that journey, when the soul is finishing in this creation, well, there's a way back into the spiritual creation from which we've come. And so that's what we're sharing here in ILM, is that way back into that spiritual creation. It's one we're all living. That's the funny thing. This is not a belief system or philosophy we're sharing here. This is why it's been called a way or a path, because it truly is just the way that life itself unfolds as God created it. We've just simply lost sight of how God created it because we've gotten caught up into the physical creation, so we've learned how to live the way this physical creation works. And that's good. Because in order to have a full experience here, we need to learn the laws of the land, the way of the world, so that we can be here to experience, to fulfill, to fulfill our mission. We've all been sent on a mission. What's my purpose in life? Well, it's to fulfill your physical mission. Well, what's that? Go have all the experience you can have physically. And once you've had it overindulged in it and are sick of it, well, then you'll be ready to let it go. That's pretty much how things work. There's a little practicality here. But most of the time we're resisting and struggling life and judging it and condemning it. Well, that's part of the game. That's what keeps us here. Anytime we make it bad or wrong or evil, condemn it, 
It's just another game. It's part of this creation. It's part of what the mind does and all of its belief systems. Part of the trap. It's a pretty good one. I'm actually quite amazed that any soul makes it out of this creation. <laughs> it wasn't easy for myself. And I see a lot of people go through. It's, it's quite treacherous. And it's funny because it's so easy to lose sight of how the movement of spirit takes place because it is such a simple, practical action, most people dismiss it. Let alone dismiss it, but most people dismiss it. And so a lot of the time we spend in here is to just to point out, well, look at this, look at that. And in the looking is where we're going to begin to see maybe that which we've looked over and bypassed, not meaning to, but simply because we are looking for something else that we thought spirit was to be, what a spiritual pathway was or is. We all have our fantasies and ideas of what that may be. And I'll tell you what, from what I've learned, I haven't found anybody, including myself, where our fantasies of what a spiritual journey is supposed to be as to what it really is. And each of us will discover that as we continue ever that journey of awakening as we seek, as we seek. A lot of us don't even realize what we're really seeking for. We're going a lot by fantasy, and that's all right, because it's a lot of our fantasies that motivate us, at least in the beginning, to begin any journey, whether it's a spiritual one or one in the world. It's our fantasies that motivate us. And so that's always part of it. That's part of the creative imaginations. Not to be condemned or made wrong, but rather just to be honored and understood as part of the process. So what am I saying? Well, just in a small way, I'm just saying, really, that's life itself. To honor life, to accept the way it works, rather than to struggle and resist it, or to make it wrong. These are the games the mind will play to keep the soul in bondage. In truth, the soul's in prison here. It's a prison. That's what the mind does. That's what the emotions do. It's what the body does. It imprisons the soul. We just don't realize that. I remember the day years ago and waking up on an inner journey. One day walking out of this creation and I was shown what a prison it is, but I saw myself included and everybody in it was living in it thinking, oh, come on, this is really enjoyable. Let's come and do this. Let's play. Let's have some chocolate cake. <laughs> they lured everybody into the kitchen. <laughs> Devil's kitchen. <laughs> no, it's angel's food cake, right? Or Hell's Kitchen. There we go. But that's what happens here. This world's one of pain and pleasure. And that's all right. But there's a point. There's a point where in all the games, something inside of us will begin to stir. You realize there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. And that's when we'll begin to really look and search what that something more is, what we hope to be. Even if it starts as a fantasy, what is it inside of us? What is it inside of us that starts to stir and starts seeking out the something more? Well, that's a part 
we're trying to get in touch with here. That's the part the action of meditation is here to support. That's the port. That's the part. That's the port. <laughs> to seek after that. This is the simplicity. There's really not any magic. It's a very practical, simple pathway in action here. It's just very different than the way we learn to live in this world to the mind, emotions, <coughs> and body. That's all. That's it. Now, it'll often seem very mystical and magical as we begin to really have more inner experience with the divine because it is so foreign to this physical creation. But after a while, guess what? That'll get normal and ordinary, just like things in our physical lives. And that's good when that happens. But sometimes we go, oh my God, this is now just becoming ordinary and boring, just like everything else. But when we move into the place where sometimes we feel like life is getting boring, who's to say that maybe isn't moving into a greater place of neutrality in an acceptance of life rather than the struggle and the drama that we often may be so used to living by? We get so addicted to the struggle and the drama that when it's not there, we often will go looking for it because it makes us feel alive. Who am I without my drama. Who am I without always having to struggle in life? That's a hard one for a lot of people. Probably 100% of the people. Things get too quiet and peaceful. How long can you sit in that for? Before you just got to get up and do something. Go create some more drama. Because that way you'll feel like you've accomplished something when you do all the forgiveness. <laughs> Frickin' F word. Forgiveness. We do, we get conditioned and addicted to even doing, just like we share in here, that LAF acronym, loving, accepting, and forgiving. I know I've gotten addicted to it, that I'm so busy searching for what to forgive, what to work on next, what to process. Process those belief systems and those emotions. And all of a sudden when it's done and quiet, right when that would be the opportune time to really focus in and up on the sacred name, looking for that inner light and sound, we're busy looking for the next thing to process. So at some point, especially those of us who've been doing this for a while, where if you've been processing a lot, maybe it's time to give the process a little break. And really begin to focus once again on the sacred name you've been given. If you can do that, all that you're seeking to love and accept and forgive or get rid of, that's handled in God's grace. This really is about God's grace. Make no mistake about it. That sacred name, what we're doing in meditation, really is opening the door to allow God's grace in and through us and to lift us. The processing cannot be done by the ego or the mind. No matter how much loving, accepting, forgiveness we do, that's just a tool to help direct us back into 
that center by which we can now stand at the door and step through it. That's what this is about. We make no misdefinitions or miscommunications here. This action is very clear what Jim and I are doing here. This is a true pathway, the spiritual teacher and the disciple relationship. And that relationship is solely about your relationship with God and you beginning to really walk that journey home. This isn't a path for everybody, and we know that. We're not trying to here to convince or convert anybody. It's where all the bad jokes come from, because usually most people would be disgusted with my language that they'll leave. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> because if a little judgment is going to be enough to sway you from really your spiritual journey, well then there's more work to do in the world. And it's good to go do it. That's not a bad thing. But when we're really ready to get free and liberated, well then it's time for us to let go of any judgments and fears that would hold us back from really returning back to God. That's often the hard part, is that letting go. It's amazing. you think it'd be simple. I don't want that. I want to get rid of all this stuff anyway. Why do I keep hanging on to it then? Because most of these things go on unconsciously. That Eastern word, karma, another way to spell it in the West is S-T-U-P-I-D. <laughs> Ignorance isn't bliss, it's just plain stupidity. But what is stupidity? It's just that we're not aware or the way things work and what we really need to do to work it. So we can have the fun and the jokes with it, and it's not that we really are stupid, it's just that the part of us that is asleep and unconscious to the divine because we're so conscious of the physical creation. And so all we're doing and why we keep referring to this as a pathway of awakening, spiritual awakening, spiritual freedom. This isn't about physical freedom. This is about spiritual freedom, and that means the soul that we are, that is that spirit, getting free from the mind, the emotions, and body, and waking up back into the spirit. Back into the spirit, waking up. Just as we're conscious here, we want to become conscious spiritually. Not psychically, spiritually. We'll see things psychically from time to time. But the psychic realms are just the realms of the imagination, emotions, and mind. Those are all the karmic destinies. Most people go, what's my purpose in life? What's my destiny? Well, those are your karmas. That's not about your spirit. That's about your spirit's journey in this creation. Everybody has the same purpose, and that is to wake up and know their oneness with God. That's the true purpose, the spiritual purpose, and that is the same for everybody. Karmically, yes, we have different destinies or purposes. Those are just simply life experiences we're here to have, to learn from. But that's not why we're here. That's just the journey, what we're passing through. And that's often the game where we get caught up. We're so busy trying to figure out what is our physical purpose, what is our physical destiny, what am I here to do? I'm sent by God, I've got a mission 
in this world. That's right, we all do. But it's not about the world, and that's where we misled ourselves. And we've misled ourselves. Even if somebody else led us down that way, well, we bought into it. We're the ones who made the choice. So at some point, we have to take responsibility and make a new choice. Say, yep, I'm the one who screwed up. They didn't do it to me. I chose into it. One way or another, consciously or unconsciously. But now, what are we going to do with that? And this is why a lot of us don't want to look at our stuff and have such a hard time because we don't want to admit the screw-up or the messes we've made. Because most of the time when we have to look at that, we start to beat ourselves up and judge ourselves. <coughs> That's the part that makes it so hard. We could just let go and forgive it, skip and bypass the beating ourselves up and judging ourselves. It would be a lot easier. Eventually we will get there. It just seems to be wired in here is this process of self-judgment and self-condemnation. That's part of the learning. If we can begin to even forgive that and love ourselves anyway, we'll get through it. But if we're not willing to, we're going to stay stuck. But here's the thing. Even if we stay stuck, it's only temporary. Even if temporary is just a few million years. <laughs> Still temporary. We make the bad jokes in here, but sometimes we're a, little, we're a lot of truth in them. But it really can be as simple as acknowledging it. And say, yep, okay, I screwed up. Have you done that before? Have you ever tried to defend yourself and fight when somebody's blaming you? And you feel so bad you're defending yourself and protecting yourself? And you spend all this time and energy in that? And if it's particularly something you know you're guilty and it is your fault, but you don't want to admit it. But then eventually, what, you finally give in? You go, yep, oh my God, I did it, guilty. Um, and then it's done, you know, and all of a sudden it drops away. It just changes, it drops. <coughs> no more need to defend or protect. It's just gone. Even the guilt with it, it's gone. can be that quick. It can be that quick all the time if we choose that. But a lot of these choices, as I was saying earlier, are really done unconsciously. And that's a lot of the challenge. Because most of the time we don't know what's going on. That's what makes it hard. That's why in here we try to share about, you don't need to know what's going on or understand it. It's an action of doing and then the movement it will carry you through. Keep it simple. Focus on God and loving God and open to receive God's love for you. In that movement, the grace will unfold it all. Any understanding or knowing you need, it'll just happen in the moment. It'll take care of itself. It's when we try to figure it out and try to make it happen that we often get in the way and botch it up or slow it down. So a lot of it is learning how to just let go. Let go as quick as you can and just recenter, refocus. Open up. Allow the loving in. The loving will do it all. We just have to allow it. The whole LAF, the whole thing about taking responsibility for our thoughts and feelings and our actions and reactions that we talk about all the time is really that way by which we can now just come to that centered place, to that open door to allow the grace in. Because that's what always happens when we truly take responsibility 
and move into loving, always. But that's what happens too when we meditate upon the sacred name. All this other stuff we talk about happens automatically when we really, truly give it our attention, our focus, put our loving into it, and make ourselves vulnerable and receptive, and just be open. Even though I know it's scary for a lot of people because being open and vulnerable means you can be hurt. Yeah, you can be, and the world has hurt all of us. And that's why it's also challenging. We've been hurt. And so that's often the reason why it takes time. It's usually a gradual opening. We learn once again to become vulnerable. But the key here is this is not about being vulnerable to the world. This is about being vulnerable to God. That's the big difference. It's important to remember that, to always look higher. What we're doing here is about spirit not about the world. We're not doing self-realization here, although that happens when you're going towards God. We're not doing personal empowerment here, although that happens when you're going to God. We're not trying to make your lives better in here, although that happens when you're going towards God. I like to say there's a lot of nice fringe benefits when you're really truly moving towards God, and even more so when you really arrive. We've got to be willing to really, truly let go. And yeah, there does take trust and faith, because when we don't know what's going on, well, the mind wants to know what's going on, because then it has a sense of security. There's a key word, though. It's just a sense of security. Once you realize the truth of who you are as a divine being of loving, there's nothing more secure you'll ever experience. The mind is the greatest false sense of security there ever could be. But in this world, the ego relies on that. And so for the ego to give up that false sense of security is probably one of the biggest challenges on this journey of liberation. That's why it takes time. We take baby steps. Every time we open up and experience more of that loving, we're willing to trust a little more. We're willing to be a little more open and vulnerable. And then we dip our toe in again. It's like, oh wow, that feels good. Okay, maybe I'll do a little more. Maybe I'll let myself experience more. And that's how it works. That's why we recommend meditating every day. Because every day you do it, or any time you do it, you give yourself another opportunity to experience a little more. And little by little, you'll find your strength, your security, you'll find everything you really need and want, for that matter, in that spirit. It's just giving yourself the chance to do it. And that's up to you. Nobody can make you do that. Even if they locked you in a prison cell and tied you up and told you you have to do this, it's still up to you to do it. But when you do it under the freedom of choice, well, then you get freedom. When you do it out of obligation, well, you get obligation, but if you keep doing it, eventually the freedom will slip in there. So if you're one of those people who makes yourself do things because you think it's good for you, it's all right. Do it. Eventually the freedom will get in there. But that freedom really is loving. And that's really our only security. And a lot of times, many of us 
in this world look for a safe place, a safe environment? It doesn't exist here. I wish it did. I wish it did. Haven't you had an argument with somebody right here in the room before? Did you call each other names? Get mad? You didn't feel very safe then, did you? Even when you love somebody, you still call names anyway. Well, it doesn't feel safe, but yet then why do you still love them? Because the loving is where the safety is. Because eventually we realize all the name calling and everything else is just the process of the ego and the mind trying to protect itself. That's the false sense of security because there's nothing truly to protect, but it'll make you believe there is. It's a good game. It's a good game. It sucks, but it's a good game nonetheless. <laughs> but eventually we really will come back to where that truth resides. And once we have that, we'll realize we have no need for anything else. And that's what this really ultimately is about, is coming to that place where we realize that's all we need in truth, that's all who we are. Then we won't need anything else in this world, but yet we can still be in this creation. But then it's not based on one of the neediness to fill ourselves up, but rather than it'll be a place of just expressing our loving and our joy and our creativity. Because that's the nature of the soul, is loving and creative. That's the true nature of the soul. Loving and creative. If we're doing anything other than that, that's just the ego. So just love the ego. The more you love the ego, the more it will relax and let go, and then the creativity of the soul can really move in and through us. But even that creativity, eventually, we're going to realize we want to direct it up towards God. Is even being loving and creative in this world? create nice things in the world, then we have a responsibility to that which we create in the world. That's called karma, for those of you who like that word. It's also called we're, we're responsible for our creations. And so eventually, even if it's good things and nice things we create, well, eventually we're going to have to bring that creation to a completion. And therein lies the learning. So eventually, we want to bring that loving and creativity back in and up and express it with God. Share that with God and see where that takes you. Because ultimately, that's the end journey anyway. It's just a matter of when you want to go home. <laughs>